Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer, and welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer and Friends. And who are my friends? <laughs> I don't know if I have any. Oh, it's Bill London with the news. He'll be coming up to stir some poo with the news. He always does a great job of getting stuff out there for people, um, stuff that you really do want to know. Um, so he'll be there. And then Kim Starks joins us tonight. She's going to tell us about a new program in Eugene called Onward Eugene. Um, and then Brian Akers, uh, you guys are familiar with him. Um, his former fiance, Lisa Florimo, was uh, murdered in 1991. Well, guess what? Um, Kate Brown, our dear governor, released uh, Lisa's killer, or is going to, tomorrow. Well, isn't that awesome? What a great place you live, I guess. Actually, I should say where you live. <laughs> I don't think they do that in Montana. I'm pretty sure they don't let criminals out, um, murderers. So um, anyway, we're going to talk about that. We are hoping that um, one of the gubernatorial candidates, uh, Christine Drazen, is supposed to be joining us. I haven't seen her come up on the uh, on the uh, in the green room yet. So we're hoping to get her. We'll hope that happens. Um, but we want to thank our sponsors, Chris Dental Family Dentistry, because we're everyone matters and there are no restrictions. You come in, you wear your mask in. When you get your treatment done, obviously you don't wear a mask. Uh, they don't check, check your vaccination status. Um, it's really where everyone is welcome. Um, there will not be any um, passports at Chris Dental Family Dentistry. Um, and if you're looking for crown work, I, he did mine. He was the greatest guy. He will do yours. Um, and so, um, I just got word from Christine Drazen's staff. They're trying to put that together. So they're working on that. So we'll get them in here. Um, we also want to tell you, oh, I got to show you something really cool. Another one of our sponsors, um, is Mercury Metal. You guys, these guys are right here. They can fabricate out of metal anywhere. That is a movie screen for someone's backyard. They came in with the idea, and folks at Mercury Metal just sat down and planned this thing out, and now that's probably sitting in someone's backyard on their deck, so in the summer when people come over, they raise that, and that up. isn't that the coolest thing? And they do all kinds of stuff, so if you're looking for any kind of something different that you may not expect, um, they did a really cool logo for me out of metal which I love and it's really awesome. And they come in once a month to kind of talk a little bit about more what they do and how they do it. Uh, they have welders, fabricators, designers, engineers. I mean, all these people that put together projects for people all over the world. So it's pretty cool and it's pretty amazing. Um, another person is sponsoring our show tonight, New Leaf Hyperbarics. Now I got to read what Matt told me. So he is down in Puerto Rico right now. Matt owns New Leaf Hyperbaric and, and Wellness Center, and um, he has the Hyperbaric Chambers. Well, he's also um, licensed to go take these anywhere and set them up for people, for customers. So he is in Puerto Rico right now, um, and he said he's at a, putting a chamber in a chiropractic center, a wellness clinic in Puerto Rico. He's here for four days. He's going to help set it up. He's going to train their staff um, as to what they can do to be bringing hyperbaric treatment. Puerto Rico. Isn't that cool? So Matt got that all set up and he can do that for you as well. If you are someone who is going through cancer treatment or anything like that, hyperbarics is really good for that kind of thing. Good for your skin. And he will be, um, he can, he can bring those out. You can rent them from him. Uh, you can go to his office and just do treatments like that, or you can buy one and Matt will get you all set up. So you know exactly 
uh, what you're in for. So we're going to check in with Bill uh, London to find out what's going on in Oregon on a Thursday. And uh, first we'll have the open for Chris Dental, and then we'll get right to that. So uh, hang in there. We got a lot more coming up. Who puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. Bring the lion out. Bring the, bring the lion. Um, tonight on our show, we're going to have... Hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news? There's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because... We'll see you at five. From the News Radio, 1120 AM and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios, I'm Bill London, host of the Wake Up Call on KPNW, 6 AM to 9 AM, Monday through Fridays. And you can catch us on the stream at KPNW.com, because that's what people do. They just use their computers. There's no need for radio anymore. All right, here's what we're looking at right now. A lot of this is going to be fun with your Oregon legislature. So, we now have Senate Bill 1568. Have you heard of that? Well, now you are. It would create a new, unelected, and unaccountable board to consider the release of criminals from prisons. The board members, according to the bill, would be appointed by the governor and would not receive any input or confirmation from the Senate or the House. This is totally appointed by the governor. The board would not include, according to the bill, any representatives from law enforcement or victims advocates. And the bill would give the board power to just simply grant criminals, if you will, get out of jail cards when the governor declares a state of emergency, like she did when she shut down businesses and told healthy Oregonians you can't leave your home. A work session scheduled uh, today and according to opponents of the bill, there is no other way to characterize this bill other than being, quote, pro-criminal. Fight also brewing now in the Oregon legislature over a proposal to give farm workers overtime pay after 40 hours a week. Democratic supporters say the change is long overdue and that it's extending overtime pay to a group of workers who toil long hours and earn low wages is a matter of equity. Republicans are dead set against it, and they say that would slice into farming revenue at a time of lower commodity prices and force owners to either cut workers' hours or just simply sell their operations. State Representative Republican Vicki Breeze Iverson is the House Minority Leader, and she suggested prior to the legislative session that this came up that this would be the bill that would cause Republicans to walk out. It's House Bill, by the way, 4002. It's sponsored by Representatives Paul Holvey, a Democrat from Eugene, and Andrea Salinas, a Democrat from Lake Oswego, and it follows Oregon's overtime law, which requires employers pay hourly workers time and a half over more than 40 hours a week. Now, last year, two similar bills died in the House and the Senate in committee. A work group with organizations representing farmers and workers met for months after the sessions to try and deal with the compromise. They couldn't reach it. And now the farm workers are even taking the case to court uh, against Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries, saying that they should be enforcing this anyway. 
According to Dave Dillon, the executive vice president of the Oregon Farm Bureau, which represents about 6,700 farmers around the state, he says that there is a pretty big gap between the two sides. A survey of their members, of about 550 of them, indicated, those farmers that were surveyed at least, indicated that if this passes, they're not going to survive. Also today in the Oregon Senate, a bill dropped on the floor that would require all Oregon businesses to accept cash. Democrat Senator James Manning from the Eugene area is the one that is sponsoring the bill, and he said it came from a trip that he made through the drive-thru to get breakfast, and they told him, sorry, we don't accept cash. Manning says, well, what happens if you don't have a card? He said a lot of people maybe have bad credit and can't get a credit card or don't have a bank account, and so they don't have a debit card. All they can do is cash. He says it's only fair. He says it's not against businesses that accept cards. It's just that they need to be accepting cash payments, and this would apply to all goods and services in the state of Oregon. It says that you can pay cash, and the punishment would be meted out by the Bureau of Labor and Industries. What that punishment would be has yet to be decided. Oregon Governor Kate Brown and the state's top corrections official are going to be facing a civil rights lawsuit brought by prison inmates seeking cash compensation for delays in providing them with COVID vaccines, which were given first to guards. And it's moving forward according to a federal magistrate, Judge Stacy F. Beckerman. She is letting the proposed class action suit move forward. That decision was made in U.S. District Court for the state of Oregon. And she cited her previous decision to issue an injunction in favor of the prisoners after finding that the vaccine priority choices were unconstitutional. And Beckerman rejected a bid for statutory immunity by Brown and her corrections chief. Oh, look, we have another person who is a Republican that wants to be the governor. That makes now 22. Bob Tiernan, a former state representative and Oregon Republican Party chair from Lake Oswego, has now officially signed the papers to run in the primary as a Republican for governor. He's filed a committee to raise and spend funds. He has a funded account with a personal contribution of $1,000. So that's 22 Republicans that have filed to run in the Republican primary. Hey, Rick, let's, let's play a little game that we call Jeopardy. For $500, 22 people who will never be Oregon's governor. Okay, that was crass. And finally, gas prices in Oregon may be going up by about six cents a gallon. Why? Because the state of Washington says so. Democrats in charge of the Washington legislature are proposing a new tax on gasoline and diesel fuel destined for Oregon. It's called the exported fuel tax, and it's included in their new transportation spending and revenue package. It was unveiled this week in Olympia. The Olympic Pipeline carries gas, diesel, and jet fuel from refineries in the northern uh, Washington part of the northern part of Washington State, and it ends up in a distribution hub in Oregon, according to Transportation Committee Chair Jake Fay, a Democrat from Tacoma. 
We bear the brunt for the environmental impacts that are created by having refineries here in our state. In terms of fairness, I think it's only appropriate since we produce the fuels for their use that they support our climate activities and our overall activities in the package. Well, here we are, two liberal states eating themselves. All right, Rick, you wanna get real? I think it's time for you to get real. Check the clock, Rick, is it real time? Is it real time with real Rick? Get real, Rick. It really is, Bill. Oh, God, I love that man. <laughs> Nobody else says that. Oh, well, of the 22, in a few minutes, we're going to talk to one of those 22 candidates and find out what she thinks about that. And Bill, Bill, I'm glad you're not here because, you know, she's tough. <laughs> she could take you down. Christine, you could, you could take him. Come on. Um, so first, a couple things, and these are small things, but I want to re remind you about them. Um, one of our clients, uh, Elements Health Clubs, having a, a night out for parents tomorrow night, February 11th. You take your kids down there, $10. You don't have to be a member. Non-members is 15. They're going to give them dinner, food, play with them, let them have games, fun stuff to do. And you get from five to eight to just go out and do nothing by yourself or go on a date or go do something. Just go back home <laughs> and just enjoy the fact that your children aren't there. So that's one thing. And then I had a phone call from somebody today. So I'm just putting this out there. There's a father-daughter dance Saturday night, the 12th, from six to eight at Along Came Trudy's. Um, and if you want more information on that, I'm going to pop that up on your screen right now. You can go, um, this is going to be, uh, they just need to cover their costs. And the, uh, the person who wrote me said, Rick, can you just put a little blurb out there to let people know? So you go on the site, you can find that. It tells you the cost, how you go, everything else that's going to happen. Again, that's a father daughter dinner, uh, nothing cuter than that on February 12th, along came Trudy's in Springfield, Oregon. So there, now you kind of know what's going on, other things that are happening. So um, our governor, Kate, 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 will you ever learn? Oh, I mean, so we're going to have, um, in 1991, Lisa Flormo was, was murdered. Um, her head was nearly cut off with a... Um, well, he, the, the killer, uh, what's his name? Uh, some uh, Todd Davila. I try not to use killer's names. I don't really like to give criminals attention. But we need to tell you Todd's name because tomorrow he'll be out on the streets, thanks to our dear governor, Kate Brown. So what Todd did, and then there's no question about this. It's not like it's like, oh, he got off on good behavior. <laughs> this guy went into this house, attacked Lisa, tried to cut off her head with a uh, Boy Scout knife. And he raped her and killed her all night. I mean, on and on and on. I mean, it's horrendous. And now our governor um, has uh, released him. Uh, in fact, and, and then Brian Akers, his, I'm going to bring Brian on right now. Brian is a, her fiance, was Lisa's fiance back in 1991. He was on the phone when the attack started uh, up yeah. in Charbonneau area of, um, in Clackamas County. He right. was down here in Eugene, got in his car, drove up there, tried to, uh, get there in time, but obviously did not. Um, and um, so you went to this hearing yesterday. Take it from there. So you told you asked the judge. He has twenty years. Did he, did he? Was this a life sentence? And he could have got twenty years. No, Explain. he already he already served thirty out of the life sentence. Life sentence, which was about sixty eight years. Take off the good behavior for twenty percent. Um, which is a crock when you when you're dealing with a murder 
um, murderer that's in the top 1% in Oregon's history. He was. That's how violent it was. And, and there's been there, there's been therapists that have checked and, him like and, and over the years. Mm -hmm. Every time he came up to be released and they said, um, this guy's already no. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, yeah. He had um every trait that they find in serial killers. So um good luck, Portland. You know, yeah, you're, tomorrow you're gonna have somebody on your streets, you know, um, thanks to Kate Brown and everything, but um, the judge could have gave him 10 more years and that would have been about the max he probably could have got um, the parole board um, and the appeals board and all that stuff. They want, they, they all want him out. Um, biggest thing is Kate Brown says it's that they don't have to look at the evidence to anything, any of these murderers. It's just time served. He had served 30 years out of a life sentence in her eyes. 25 is the max. So um, when it says here, here's what I, I guess I'm kind of a word guy because I spent my whole life working with words. Yeah. Life sentence. Okay. Yeah. To the normal person out there, to most people, that means um, you die in prison. Life in prison without yeah, the possibility that's kind of parole. The way Oregonians voted for it, uh, whether yeah. we agree with it or not. That's what that's what we went for. And um, so if you have life in prison, <laughs> he's, yeah. I don't know how old he is, but he's still, he's walking out, breathing. Yeah. That wasn't yeah. the idea, I don't think. Well, when he was first sentenced for with 116 years without the possibility of parole, the everybody was screaming and crying about it. You can't do that to a kid. You can't do that to a, a, a juvenile. That's an unfit sentence. The parole board hates and hated since day one, 30 years ago, when we went to 30 years ago and six months, um, he's been in prison. I've spent seven times going back to these resentencing trials and stuff. Seven times I've been back. Um, other times I've been back, probably a total of 10, keeping him in prison. And um, this time was um, a sentencing trial, but he could be released. Um, thanks to Kate Brown and stuff. So she put him on the list and of criminals out of 210 that she wants to release. And 70 of them are violent killers. And he's in the top 1% of the worst. So right off the bat, she really scored a freaking home run, you know, for herself. So if you could have an audience with the queen, um, what would you, and you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah. If you could sit oh, down yeah. face to face and talk to Kate Brown mm -hmm. and her, and her support those people out there who are supporting this whole uh, reduction of prisoners when it's killers and murderers, what would you say to her? I would say to her, I said, number one, you need to look at the victims that, um, what this has done to their life. You need to look at the, the circumstances some of these killings especially this one um it, we're talking 47 graphic photos of of lisa with over 60 wounds over her body um it's horrific just i mean in the cuts and stuff with the boy scout knife and the the fighting for her life i mean she told the parole board they don't have to look at any of this to make a decision 
None of it. All they have to look is time spent. And she has never seen the photos. I, I know that for a fact. None of them have. Zero. They just looked at time spent. It's 30 years. We don't yeah. like it. We've never liked this case um, from the, what the Chris Owen, the DA, told me. And I've known this for years. It's like a, a thorn in their back because it's a juvenile and the judges keep on strong arming everything. And I think they finally found a, a judge that um, had it. And I swear, I thought he was going to give us another 10 years. And then right when it came down to it, um, he closed the book and said a few things and, and said he doesn't want us to suffer anymore. <laughs> it's like, well, you don't want us to suffer anymore, but you're going to let this killer out. And, yeah. and suffering is coming back and doing this and reliving and all of that. And I told him when I was um, in this courtroom, I spoke for 20 minutes and I had his attention like crazy. And I said, I'll come back here. If you, if he gets 20 more years and the parole board hates it, which I know they do because they hate this case. I said, I'll come back here every five years, seven years. It's worth it to keep him behind bars because he is not a safe individual. I don't I, care what they're, what they want to say. It's, I know too much about this. I like Tony's comment. The queen should invite him to dinner. See how she's yeah, no kidding. personality. Nope. Yeah. If he's yeah. so safe, why don't you have him at, over at the Mahonia, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, go, okay. Turn go her house into the halfway house that he has to live in for a few years or whatever. In the community where it all happened. That's what always yeah. cracks me up. It's like yeah. you send these people back to the place where it happened. So anyone there, uh, anyway. Brian, yeah. I am so sorry. Um, and for Lisa's family, I'm really sorry. I know that this is really hard on you. You've had it's so devastating. Which is why we just kind of waited to have you on today. Because I just, um, but um, yeah, you're, uh, I, I'll tell you this. It says a lot about you. And this is, the, this is what I really love about your story. Um, what you people don't know is, that, well, Brian now is married. Obviously, this has been many years. So he's married. He has a wife. But he and his wife both fight for his former fiance. Um, and Trisha, I think, is just about as a bulldog as you can get. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's really on this. She's been and helpful. I think that says a lot about your relationship. And she understands how much this means to you. And it's because you're married. It's, this has become part of her, too. Well, and, and at one time, she, um, Lisa worked for Trisha years ago. So and she knew her. And so they had a friendship and it's personal to her. It's personal to so many people, you know, and it just, it just sucks. You know, I hope, I hope some family doesn't have to go through this again. And, um, you know, Kate Brown and her new law, she's trying to push through and all that, that Bill London was talking about. Um, she's a very evil woman and she supported her number one supporter is George Soros which is the most, one of the most evil persons out there and who is also banned in, in six countries. So what does that tell you about right. this? It just, it's pathetic. Well, Brian, thank you for making the time and keep listening. Cause we're going to, I have a feeling Christine will have a couple of things to say. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so I definitely will. I know about Christine Drazen. She's not afraid of this. All right. So I, I will, uh, and I will talk to you soon. Okay. Yeah, and she's going to be at a big rally here coming up in Eugene on um, the 26th, I think, or something. And Who's that? 
Christine is. Oh, she's supposed to be at a rally, Republican rally. So I'm going to go see her. So you're you're her new PR man. <laughs> I'll help. <laughs> Christine, Christine, I just want you to meet your new PR man right here. He's. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Christine, you're right off. There it is. Now we got you. Okay. Hi, Brian. Brian, Hi. thank you. I'll talk you with bet. you soon. Okay. Thank Hang you always. Christine Drazen, how are you? I'm really good. How have you been? It's been, been, it's been too long. It has. And I, I'm glad to have you on. And all we're, we're not going to talk about Oregon little thing. Christine has been on the show a number of times, but I said, I'm going to have you on to talk about your run for governor. Yeah. Um, I kind of set you up with a nice little, there, you know, how can I lead into you better than um, why, <laughs> Christine? Why does okay? Uh, what I want to do is because of Bill, because he didn't know I, you on that night. I think it's hilarious. But how do you, how do we with 22? I think the good news is, and because there's quite a few Democrats too, there's think, a lot. I think the good news is, I think people are so fed up with what Kate Brown has done and her, her minions that they are now, even the Democrats are coming out and saying, we got to go do something different. But how do you stand out from those 22? You know, I think that at this point, you know, to Brian's, to Brian's point, that earlier story, people are horrified at her leadership, aren't they? I mean, she has been so absolutely shockingly bad that we have this, you know, full range of Republicans that have had, that have woken up and have said, we've got to participate in change. We've got to do everything we can to help support change. But, you know, I have been engaged in this fight and I hope that that makes a difference to voters that, that I have been participating and doing everything I can to create balance and to hold the governor accountable. I mean, her commutations over the course of COVID I have been elevating the stories of victims and pushing back against the governor's absolutely misguided and dangerous approach to commutations from the beginning. And in the beginning, she was she was quietly releasing people. And now, thankfully, um, it's it's much more public. But the horrifying part of all of it, of course, is that it hasn't slowed her down. No. And and she continues to affect people's lives. She continues to harm victims. And it's got to stop. And so, you know, as far as how do I stand out among 22 people in this race, I am going to work that I'm going to work harder and I'm going to raise more money and communicate with the voters. And I and I'm going to and I am going to um, get to the point where I have earned the support of enough people to be the nominee. That's that's the goal. That's the job. Tom Hunt says, and I, I, I love this because I can echo that, too, as you say, um, it says on here, he says, uh, we are horrified at Kate's rule. Attack her record, mm -hmm. not each other. And I think yeah. that's the thing that Republicans, well, anybody, I think it happens a lot in this industry. But it's mm -hmm. like if people, I think people will stand out. It's like there's enough to go after. How, oh, do, you, how, do, you, how do you change this? I mean, okay, so let's say you win. You become the grand poobah. And uh, and I'm just using that as for fun. But let's say you become governor of Oregon. What is the what do you do? What's the first thing you go in to do? Yeah, the the first thing that you do is reverse the mandates and the executive orders that have controlled our lives for so long, for far too long. And you give people back a sense of normalcy that begins with respect. And you know, uh, to to the comment there, the the need for accountability and balance isn't because the people that are that are elected in office um, 
are are people that are intending to harm folks i would argue actually that the that the decision around commutations actually is intentional harm uh, but generally speaking they're just they're people that have too much power and because of that aren't making good choices to serve people that's all record driven that's all things that oregonians feel right now that they need accountability they need balance and on day one i would end the mandates and i would end the vaccine mandates i would end the mask mandates and i would lead with facts and not fear and I would lead with recommendations and I would be sure that uh, Oregonians understand that all that they need to know about how to protect themselves and their loved ones and then allow for them to get their lives back. And I keep schools open full time in person has got to be job one on day one. So how do you in Oregon, because we haven't had a Republican governor since Vic Atia, um, yeah. and, and And now I think people in Oregon are almost proud of this Democrat um, party rule and, and and people that I know who are, are really decent people, they still feel like even though there's a super majority, they're okay with that. And and okay. I am not okay. I wouldn't want your party to have a super majority either. I don't want the independents to have a super majority. It's about balance and we are so out of balance. Um, do you think that's what could happen because of the, the way that the Democrat party has handled the, the reaction to COVID that they may have, I'm going to use this word, you don't have to, but have screwed themselves. And so you can get enough support in there that people are going to go, you know what, I'm going the complete different way. I'm not doing this anymore. Well, I, I do believe that Oregonians want balance. They want accountability. I do not believe that all Democrats support Democrat control of every branch of government and the governor's office and the legislature. I think that the I think that Democrats are recognizing that their own party has left them and that how they viewed being a democrat is in fact not to make communities less safe you know that they believe in community safety that they believe in law enforcement like i do and that uh, electing a republican right now restores balance and restores accountability in a way that nothing else will and we have got to recognize that you know with with single party rule no matter who it is to your point uh, that Oregon is not is not better off today you know it has not created a utopia after 10 years with democrat control things are more costly more expensive you know we in fact have more homeless people sleeping on our streets our our neighbors are are in in a worse way and our communities are less safe our schools have not been strengthened by all of this and we need balance to be able to come to these come to solve these problems together you don't get that unless you elect for balance. And, and I believe that Oregonians are ready for that this year. I do not come across people that are thrilled with the, what the single party leadership has done to our state. Um, most folks, Democrats, uh, independents, not affiliated voters, Republicans are looking for change or looking for accountability and balance. Right. I, you know, I, I've had people come on my page and, and yell at me. Um, who are hardened Democrats. And Heather right here, she's saying, I want to just bring up her point. She says, I don't think these people should be released. I'm a Democrat. I totally am against the people being released. So that people are rebelling on that. But I'm also hearing people, Christine, this, this troubles me, is they come on and say, our economy is the best it's been since the 1980s. This, this is where we're going. It's, it's, and I'm like, mm. what cloud are you hiding in? I mean, yeah. inflation is on the rise. You go to the grocery store and milk is doubled. I mean, everything, my wife and I are looking and going, and, and then you find shelves that have nothing on them. And yeah. try to order a freezer, you know, just to get a freezer. You know, we found, we've lucked out and Costco had one come in that morning, but there you can't find them. This yeah. is not America. This is not Oregon. This is not 
the way things are done. And this is what the current administration and our democratic leader has done to us. Yep. We are not here by accident. We are here through a series of choices and decisions that have harmed uh, all corners of our state. And to get and to get back to balance, then we absolutely have got this is an opportunity this year. We know that, right? Elections are about uh, choosing our choosing our vision for the future. And if we believe that we're in a good place, then we get more of the same if we vote for more of the same. Um, but I believe that Oregonians are ready for change. They're ready for accountability and that this is the year that we will elect a Republican governor in the state of Oregon. So who's your biggest threat, do you think? I mean, in terms of not like, like who's this going to come down to in the Republican Party, do you think, for the primary? What is your guess? Well, I am whoever it is. I hope I'm among them. <laughs> so you've been in leadership in the in the house. I mean, so yeah. you're you're not. How long have you been serving um, Oregon in in? I was first elected uh, to my district in Clackamas County in 2018, and became Republican leader after that very first session, and had the opportunity to uh, elect other Republicans and and restore a little bit of balance inside the legislature. We picked up two open house seats on the coast for the first time in a decade. In, in the 2020 election and added to our numbers in that year. And uh, and so I was Republican leader throughout my service uh, just right after that very first session. Now, aside from politics, what did you do before this? Like what, I mean, what was your, you know, cause this is like just a few years of your life. What, what's- what, Yeah, I, I'm originally from Klamath Falls and, and have, uh, and my parents were raised down there and my extended families from down there. And we had, you know, a family that was dependent on our natural resource-based economy. And, you know, my parents struggled and they did the best they could, you know, in those difficult days. We had three kids and uh, we moved around a lot for work. And I learned the value and the opportunities that are there when you have to work hard. You know, you don't take things for granted and you just work hard. And, and so I also, though, had families that talked all the time about politicians and had nothing good to say. And I put myself through college at George Fox. And when I was done with that, I was curious if they were right. You know, our politicians really kind of all just rotten to the core. There's some good ones in that mix. And I applied to work as staff inside the Capitol that year. And I worked as staff inside the legislature for about eight years. And Republicans had majority control of the House and the Senate. And John Kitzhaber was in the center of the building. And I ended my time there as chief of staff to the Speaker of the House, chief of staff to the caucus leader, the Republican leader uh, under Republican control. And uh, my, then my husband and I, we had our first child and I came home to Clackamas County and volunteered and sat on the planning commission and worked on the budget committee in my schools, you know, my kids' school district, all the things you do when you engage locally. And I ran a nonprofit that uh, that advocated for Oregon's arts, uh, heritage, and the humanities, and the preservation of Oregon's history. And I did that until um, Representative Bill Kenimer made the decision to retire. And I was asked if I consider running for office myself. And it was a big decision, yeah. you know, to go from a private life to a public life. That's a big decision. You made that decision. Yeah. And when you make that decision. Um, it's about, for me anyway, it was about shouldering somebody else's burden, doing something more for my community. And, and I had these conversations with my family. Is this right for us? Is this the thing that we should do? Because it's got to be a we conversation. And my daughter, she was 10 at that time. And she, all she cared about was, was I going to be home for breakfast? 
That was it. <laughs> and and I think about that a lot now, right? Because life's changed a lot since then. She's 14. But at that time, we had special time in the morning. Her brothers get on the bus before her. You know, we'd have eggs and toast together. She'd talk and I'd listen. And she wanted to know that family was still going to be a priority for me, that she was still going to be a priority for me. And that's, that's my why. That's why I am engaging in all this. I, I have a family. I want them to have a better tomorrow. I want them to have a better future. I want them to know that um, what they experienced in the COVID shutdowns wasn't good enough for them. It's not good enough for anybody else's kids, what they all went through. And, and we need new leadership that recognizes we've got to have balance. These decisions cannot happen with just one side of the aisle controlling everything and sometimes kind of veering us into the ditch on community safety, taxes, schools, you name it. We need new leadership. And so made the, I made the decision to run for governor because it's an opportunity to really do more to serve Oregonians and to get our state, state back on the right track. So do this for me. This is the last thing I'll have you do. This is kind okay. of weird. Okay, it's kind of weird. Um, but would you, like, let's take Oregon pre-COVID. Okay. And just define it for me. What is, so let's pretend like Kate didn't happen. Oh, None of this last year was mm -hmm. two years we're here. Just, mm -hmm. just give me your, this is the Oregon I love. What would, mm -hmm. that, what would that sound like? And yeah. Don't, and, and don't forget your rural, rural. I hate you that know, word. That's okay. a newscaster. I hate that word. Rural. It's so rural. hard to say. Rural roots. So I, Oregon for me has always been camping by a lake like the smell of alfalfa in the summer, the sound of those, you know, the sound of, the sound of, of just all of the outdoors. It's always been food carts, Saturday markets, and, and the beach and the ocean that we all love so much. And it's always been the state itself and the people, the community. I mean, as a state representative, I had the opportunity to see a community come together like you would not believe after fire, after wildfires. And Oregon is this special place because of the place, but it's also a special place because of who is drawn to live here. Yeah. You know, there's so many people that are here because of um, what they believe in to be an Oregonian. They believe in independence and they believe in community. They believe in their, in their need to support each other and step up and step in. But they also recognize that they want to have freedom and they're here because they feel confident that they can make choices for themselves. And that was true before COVID. It's going to be true after COVID. Uh, we are we are absolutely uh, going to recover from all of this, you know, emotionally, mentally, economically. We're going to get to the other side of this. Yeah. And and for Oregonians that when they, you know, when they think about the fact that they're Oregonians, just like I do, I, I absolutely think of the place and the people first. And politics comes in, you know, second, third, fourth, somewhere deep down that list. And only recently has politics taken kind of a, um, you know, kind of a higher position in how we feel about our state because politicians have, have broken the things that we love. Portland's a mess. Portland was not a mess until, you know, politicians got in there and didn't enforce the laws and didn't provide the kind of dignity people uh, that are living on the streets right now require to get the support and services that they deserve. 
they have got to absolutely get serious about restoring order in Portland. And you do that by supporting law enforcement. You do that by, uh, you know, paying absolutely fully funding state police, not defunding, fully funding. And then you back them so that they know that they aren't going to be treated like criminals. They're going to be supported as they protect community and restore law and order, which I believe we all need and we all want. Yeah. Christine Drazen, um, we will have you on again. You just let me know. Um, yeah, no, I love getting your message out there and letting people know. And, you know, uh, I think uh, people should take a serious look at you. And uh, and to do that, they can go to? ChristineforOregon.com. And that's all spelled out because I am over 30. You what? I said it's all spelled out, ChristineforOregon.com. <laughs> and then I was teasing because I'm over 30. And if I was under 30, there would be the number four in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Well, my when I ran for office, so I'd remember who I was. My website became rickdancer.com. It became my emails are rick at rickdancer.com and my staff would go, because if you forget this, this way we'll know you're gone. <laughs> rick. So I got your number up there. I got your stuff up there. You guys, if you want to check out more. And again, so when it, you're going to be where now? Brian says you're going to be. Brian knows. I don't even know what Brian knows. You know what? And I will, I will vouch for her. Thank you're you. Just, when you're a candidate, they just, all you do in the morning is you get there and then they just point you in the direction and you shut up and get in the car and then you go and you do what you're supposed to do. And then you go to the next one and the next one. So Brian is her new Eugene official. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person and I'm sorry. For, I'm sorry any of this stuff is happening. I'm absolutely, absolutely devastated that this is happening to Brian and the rest of the family. It's horrible. Yeah, he can hear you. And it has been really, really hard on them. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and I hope people understand that. Christine Drazen, thank you again for being with us. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Rick. And your, and your service, too. Thank you. Okay, that's what Oregon's about. Yeah, you know, I mean, I know I left uh, because my wife and I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, have a fresh start for us and we're going to continue to be involved in it as we are right now um, but God, you know oregon to me it's like rugged individualists it's people who are who don't it, i think that's what is so troubling to me is the reaction to covid by the government leaders who put fear in, in into everyone it turned what Oregon, what I thought was all the things I was proud of Oregon, they, they all turned into nothing. They're like jello. We became a state of jello. And that's not Oregon. Uh, Oregon is rugged individualists who, who fight for freedom. They don't want people telling them what to do. Um, we're kind of obnoxious in that way. Um, we were pioneers that came out here. Our families came out here trying to get away from something. Probably the same thing that we are now trying to get away from is people putting their thumbs on your head and trying to hold you down and tell you what you can and can't do and putting a piece of cloth on your face. Um, that's not Oregonians. And so the people that come in and just say, oh, no, that's okay. It all feels good. Well, life doesn't feel good. Ask Brian right now. Does life feel good? No. Um, life isn't about feeling. It's about free people uh, working together to do good things for their community. And you can't do that when you're under the thumb of one ideology, it doesn't work. So what can you do? Well, you got 22 Republicans you can pick from. You've got a, 
a whole shitload of Democrats you can pick from. You got other people, I'm sure, in the Green Party, the Family Party. Don't write anybody off. And this year, go out to your car. And if you have a I vote Democrat or I vote Republican bumper sticker on your car, get in the car, look in the rearview mirror and say, shame on me. I'm part of the problem. Instead of voting for a party, why don't you vote for a person? A person who's going to do something other than what we're experiencing right now under the Brown regime. Um, and really, honestly, Oregonians, it's up to you to do it. I can't vote there anymore, so it's up to you to change it. But we're going to bring you through now through the May primary. Any candidates we want to put on here, we're going to bring them on. And uh, so you can get to know them and you can make your choice, but do your homework. I have another interview, but I'm not going to run it because this is running long. And I'll just hold Kim. We did a really cool interview with Onward Eugene and some of the things they're doing. But we'll just I'll play that on Monday um, because it's taped up and we can do that. Um, so anyway, I want to thank Chris Daniel Family Dentistry, where everyone is welcome. New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness Center uh, for Matt and his support for all the years that he's been with us. And then we also want to thank our newest client, Mercury Metal Design and Fabrication. Um, all these people, we can't do this kind of work without you. All right, share it on your page if you choose to. I can't write it in the copy anymore. That's why I got pulled from Facebook because I wrote sharing and you're not supposed to do that. Ricky's a bad boy. <laughs> Facebook is my Governor Brown. <laughs> All right, have a good night. I will talk to you guys. Uh, we're off for the weekend, so we'll be back on Monday uh, with what's more. And it's uh, Valentine's Day, so I got a great Valentine's story for you. This is about a father's love for his kid, 22-year-old boy fighting to keep custody of his son. I thought, you know what? That is the perfect Valentine's story. I'm done with the romance. I'm looking for something that's a real heartbreaker. So that's what we're going to talk about on Monday.